podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Is this is this your uh, laptop camera too or no? Yeah. Oh. See, that's a, that's a, do you see that's a, see, you have a separate camera, don't you? Oh yeah, of course. Well, I'm too dark skinned to do the laptop camera. It looks terrible. Like I'm at work, and people just probably in the background making fun of me. Like, look at this. Yeah, because you're just blending in. Look at this blackity black a hole right here. They're saying it in their, in their minds. <laughs> well, I mean, that's why we got Riverside, right? Because they promoted darker no, facts. Yo, big facts. That's, that's one of the reasons why I was like, oh, bet. You know, a camera that, you can, that can see me clearly. Thank you. <laughs> I respect how do you, how do you, you feel about that? Right? I mean, we're about a year into it. How do you feel about Riverside's ability to pick up your complexion? Oh, no, that. They're, they're really good at it. Like, you know what's funny is, I so, like, they have these commercials um, about, like, Google Pixel cameras and all this other stuff, and it goes with, like, black people and shading. I always feel like white people are like, what's the, what's the big deal? To where, like, for me, the first time I saw the commercial, I was like, oh, my God, thank goodness. <laughs> like, yeah, this is amazing. <laughs> this is incredible. Finally. <laughs> yes. Like, you feel our pain. <laughs> Meanwhile, I glow in the dark, so you'll always know where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, I could never get my laptop camera to look as good as it does on you right now. There's not, not a chance. Um, yeah, we should probably start this episode. Charles Booth writing and rewriting history. First ever national title for Texas Tech. Jonathan Garibay. The boot is away. And it's Welcome one, welcome all to the Tortillas and Takes podcast. Uh, you are rocking, once again rocking with your boy, I'll be sure. And I'm a little tongue-tied because we are recording this in the middle of the men's national championship game. Um, as we're recording this, UConn is beating the snot out of San Diego State like literally everybody predicted would have happened. Um, you know, so uh, talking about not just the college basketball landscape, but also the Big thing affecting the men's basketball team at Texas Tech, which is Grant McCaslin's hire, official hiring. We got the people's champ himself, Jeremy Gillen. What's up, Jerm? On the last day of basketball season, we got ourselves a new head coach, um, officially. Well, we got him before, but had our presser. It is officially official. He said all his you know sweet nothings to Red Raider Nation, all 50 of them that were in the crowd. And uh, yeah, we are in the new era. Who cares about UConn and San Diego State? They'll never be, they'll never get back there, but we well, just UConn might. might. UConn might. San Diego <laughs> State, this is it. This is it, guys. <laughs> Live it up. Live it up. Hey, so actually, before we get... That's a good point. So I was uh, pouring over some stats with my buddy the other day. And do you realize um, the stats on like getting to um, the Final Four is just nuts? So Boheim coaches at Syracuse for 47 years, right? Considered like a elite coach. He's only got one title. Rick Barnes has only been to one final four. These dudes are legend, right? Like, but a lot of programs, they only see the final four like once. It's it's the excitement of like, oh, we have the potential to get there, but the craziness of March Madness, of course. So many programs only touch it once. And how disappointed would you be if you're if you're Texas Tech, and your one and only time going to the Final Four is with the most deceitful coach in your entire history, yeah, we got to get back there, right? Like that's the we got to get back. We got to get back there. 
Um, and you know, the, you're talking about Rick Barnes. The only time that he went to the uh, Final Four is also Texas. Is the only time going to the Final Four. Like it's funny because people I think view Texas a little bit higher on on the echelon. Uh, but the program really isn't, right? They're just a, a, a above-average program, but they're not, you know, they've only been in one Final Four themselves. Um, another another one, Oklahoma State, right? So Oklahoma State is actually known as kind of an old-school, uh, um, historically good basketball program, but they haven't been to the Final Four since 2004, right? And since 1950, have not been to the championship game. So, like, you know, so that's... that's uh, um, as we look around, I mean, like TCU, A and M, like these two schools haven't been right. Um, Baylor finally got a chance, got a chance to win a championship just recently. So it's you're right, it's very hard to get there. Um, we've gotten there once, and we got we got to get back. And that's one thing I did like about Grant McCaslin's presser today um, is he did talk about winning national championships, right? Because I think that's the bar. Like gone is the days when like Bob and I could come into like and kind of coast. And, and say, okay, well, here at Texas Tech, I don't have the same pressure as Indiana. So I can just, as long as we're competitive. Because Bob Knight, during the 2000s, hey, just be competitive. If Texas Tech is competitive, make a couple NCAA tournaments every now and again, every other year, right? We'll be happy. And and, let's, and during that Bob Knight era was about as good as we got it. I mean, we went to the Sweet 16 a couple times. We went to the NCAA tournament every other year. We were, we were, we had a reality show on ESPN, right? Like he, uh, he, um, we were there when he broke the record for most wins. So like that, but that was it. Like that's and we were just happy to be there. Right. And so, um, but unfortunately for the people that just like being mediocre, we have reached a new echelon. We now know what it tastes, what it feels like to not just be above average, but to be one of the big dogs. Like not even, cause we talk about the national championship year, but also, the year before that, we went to the Elite Eight. The year before that, we were in the hunt for a Big 12 championship, went to the Elite Eight, had a top 10 team in the nation, right? Um, and then, just last year, the 2021 or 2022 season, went to the Sweet 16, was one of the top teams in the nation, competed for a Big 12 title. So we have three seasons in the past five years where we're like, man, we were one of the 10 best teams in the country, right made it we were a legit national title contender so we've now tasted what it feels like to be there and i think with grant mccaslin saying that we want to win national championships here it's, it's bigger than just we want to win a big 12 championship it's bigger than it's bigger than just we want to be competitive we want to make the tournament we want to make, win a big 12 championship it's that's the bar now we want to be a contender we want to be where uconn is right now as they're halfway through to winning a national championship um that's where we want to be yeah, people really don't put enough stock into the championship conversation. I think that what separates the goods and the greats in the coaching spectrum is how are you talking about championships to your players? How are you communicating that to your program? Um, Graham McCaslin came in and you know today mentioned, you know they gave me a couple of different days that I could do this. And even though Albie and I would have loved if he just freaking did that Friday or Saturday so we could have gotten this recording done, uh, he chose today. And he said his reasoning was is because he does he just believes that Texas Tech can end up playing on this night again in the future and be in that championship conversation. And yes, it, it feels like when you, uh, you get kind of at the beginning of a coach's tenure, they're going to say some crazy business. They usually allude to some kind of championship or some kind of like title, um, or God forbid you give them a trophy without any kind of date on it and just expect them to fill it out at some point. Joe, I mean, you know, come on, AM. Um, McCaslin, it's different, right? Because he just won. 
a national championship in the NIT. He just he he's got nah, a history of winning. Don't do that. We cannot call the NIT the national championship. <laughs> we can't we cannot do that. No, at a different level. Okay, the championship of the, the NIT, NIT championship. Yeah, yeah. Is it a national tournament? Do no, many teams compete? No. How many good teams did he beat along the way? Don't be a defeatist like Albie. <laughs> the point is, is that this guy has a this guy's got a trophy from this century. So, you know. He's got knowledge on how to win games, and that's what he's trying to propone. It is like, hey, more resources, better, you know, better facilities, better pool of players. Let's go turn this. He's, you know, he wins everywhere he goes. Let's turn that into a Big Twelve championship, and ultimately, in his in his dream, uh, in his ped- in his coaching pedagogy, let's turn that into a national championship. The rhetoric matters, though. Like that's what you're not going to play for a coach that's going to be like. Well, let's go out and try our best, and you know let's we're gonna we have can, a good time. Let's see what we can do. <laughs> yeah. Let's see what we can do, guys. We'll give you four or five years, and then we'll really turn it on. No, but Cousins like, let's go win a championship. That's going to excite your current players on the roster. That's going to excite all of the people that are in the transfer portal right now. There are a ton of really exciting players in the transfer portal. That's what you. That's the energy you need to attract people. That's that Joey McGuire level energy you need to attract people to Lubbock. No, absolutely. I, well. I don't know if I would consider any energy around Grant McCaslin energy, right? He's he's a very vanilla guy, right? He's it's very, different, yeah. It's, yeah, you know, he's he wants it. He wants it, no question it. about it. But it's it's not. <laughs> it's if we compare him to Joey McGuire, it's funny that Joey McGuire was on that search committee because uh, I actually view him. I see the similarities in that you know they're both Texas guys. They're both. You know, they, they they have these lofty aspirations for Texas Tech. They both want to be here. Um, both from Baylor. Uh, uh, or previously coached at Baylor. So I, I see those similarities. But when it comes to energy and personality, very different, right? Like, Grant McCaslin is very, like, when I speak, you listen. Even kill. I'm going to train you this. And then Joey McGuire comes in like a freight train, right? Like, high energy. Let's go. Let's do this, right? Uh, Joey McGuire, not as much on the X's and O's side. Grant McCaslin, very much on the X's and O's side. So, like, it's, it's very interesting, those two personalities. McGuire's the sun and McCaslin is like the moon right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> just very different both both important very different <laughs> yeah so I do want to talk about the hiring of Grant McCaslin so Grant McCaslin is one of the the, the I think he's the last uh p6 or Texas Tech was the last p6 job that hadn't been officially hired yet um uh till today till Monday um so he's official so that's the last one coaching carousel as far as power six conference uh teams is over uh and one thing people were talking about was this was a very boring hire, very low energy hire. Um, and so the question is, is that is it the right hire? Just because it's a boring hire, is it the right hire? Um, and I saw a couple people say that this is a very Texas Tech hire, which I kind of push back on. Because I actually don't agree with that. Right? So Texas Tech, especially when it comes to basketball, doesn't really make boring hires. So I, I talked about Bob Knight uh, back in, in uh, 2000 when they made that hire for Bob Knight, which was... I mean, this guy was just coming off of a huge scandal in Indiana, one of the biggest coaching scandals of all time when it comes to just his player abuse and what Indiana put up with for the sake of championships um, and and all that, right? And he gets fired from Indiana. He says, man, last year I coached at, uh, over in Lubbock. They just opened up that new stadium, and it was really nice. Hey, Lubbock, will y'all take me? And Tech was like, yeah, hell yeah, sure. You're like the greatest coach of all time. Yeah, come on, right? Um, and then he kind of finagled his way into getting his son the job. Uh, also another un, 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 or not normal hire of Pat Knight because 
Tech really didn't want to hire Pat Knight, but kind of were forced to. Um, and then after Pat Knight leaves, what do you do? You hire Billy Gillespie. Billy Gillespie's not a normal hire. He had just got fired from Kentucky, right? Had his own issues beforehand. This was kind of his renaissance coming back to Texas Tech, and that ended terribly, right? And then after I had the Larry, that Larry Walker interim year, what do you do? You hire Tubby Smith. Tubby Smith, also an ex-Kentucky coach. That's a not, also a, not a normal hire, right? Um, and then so I, I – even Chris Beard was not a normal hire because Chris Beard had just been hired by UNLV a week before. So, like, it's this idea that Grant McCaslin's a normal Texas. He, he's it's a normal. I think it's a normal hire in the 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 in national in college basketball, like as far as national hires go, because he's a guy. He was very successful at the mid major level. He's local, so for for a school, it's no no different than. LSU hiring Louisiana Tech's coach who just won back-to-back Sun Belt championships. Like, that's that's that similar type of hire. And you see that all the time, right? Um, but for Texas Tech, it's not a very Texas Tech hire. Texas Tech basketball doesn't make these type of hires, right? And I think maybe it's time we don't swing for the coach who just hired at UNLV a week before or the coach who's the winningest coach in Indiana or the coach who won national championship in Kentucky. Maybe doing that boring mundane hire of just the guy who was really good a level below and before he was hired there was really good a level below that and before he was hired there at Arkansas State was really good a level before that over at Midwestern State and the guy who was really good as an assistant coach at Baylor let's just hire the guy that's been successful literally everywhere he's been and it's just this is his next step kind of a promotion but also he's a guy that interviewed for the job two years ago and said, all right, well, if y'all ain't going to hire me, I'm going to still keep winning over here in Denton. And then two years later, when we're ready to hire you, we're still re- like, yes, I still want the job. Yes, please. Please. I love it here. You know? Yeah. Loves it here, too, is a really big point of that. Um, he did not mince words when he was talking about how many people in his family have some affiliation with Texas Tech, uh, which is crazy. And, you know, part of that is soothing to Red Raider fans. The other part, it's like, yeah, we've had coaches like that who, you know, have a lot of claim to... Listen. As long as he said he doesn't say that his mom his is like his mama calling him back home. As long as he doesn't say that, I'm okay. All right. I didn't realize Beard had such a bad relationship with his mother. We should have saw that coming. Oh, oh my! This could take a weird. This he had could, it. He had it written uh, on the wall. This could take a bad turn. I'm not going there. <laughs> All right. Um, but yeah, you like you said, man. McCaslin has been good everywhere he's been, and he's taken the next step, and he's taken the next step, and he's taken the next step. It, he is going to get a power six job somewhere, right? He's not a bad coach. And I think this is not a very Texas Tech hire because it's not like we're not swinging for the fences like you alluded to. This is more of a bunt. This is like, you know what? I'm going to play the safe thing here. Just going to try to get on base and we'll see how the game is. We're playing chess, not checkers. Um, no controversy, right? He's not this like, and we'll get into that in the next podcast we do. But, like, you know, there's no running away from anything else. It's like, nope, McCaslin's just been super successful. You know what? He might have been the guy who was like, I'll stay here at UNT another five years. Why not? Because, you know, he's got everything going for him. But somebody was going to be coming, knock- somebody was going to come knocking on his door any any season. So, now, Jeremy, this sure. cannot be a positive podcast all the time. I got to come and tell you what the naysayers are saying. About this. And we kind of talked about him being a boring hire, which just doesn't really matter. But um, there are some things that people feel a type of way about Grant McCaslin. Like, not everybody's happy with this hire. It's not the same thing. Like, when Joey McGuire was hi- was hired, 
I think I was probably the lowest on the level of excitement when it comes to that. I was just like, okay, the assistant head coach from Baylor. Like, why should I be happy? We don't even know if this guy can coach. Um, right. And, but I think I was, and I was still, I was still happy about the hire, but I was probably the lowest of the, of the level for the most part. The fan base was really into it. Right. Uh, fan base was really into Mark Adams getting the job. They, they loved it. Actually, if anything, I would argue the fan base made that hire, made both of those hires. This one, not as much real chill. Kind of reminds me of when Chris Beard first got hired at Tech. Um, not too many people knew much about him outside of people that were around during the Bob Knight days or knew about the whole about his his uh, a journey as a coach. But not a lot of excitement in the fan base, right? Uh, so one of the, the the big pushbacks on Grant McCaslin is his offense is boring. His offense is not uh, high up tempo. It's very slow, very methodical. It's he's a defensive coach. Right, if you watched the NIT championship game, or hell, if you watched the NIT semifinals, excuse me, against Wisconsin, they put up what thir- uh, um, less than twenty points in the second half to win the game. Wisconsin was beating UNT in the semifinals, and UNT clamped down to win the game. Um, but the offense is bull. They scored less in the second half. I mean, the offense. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. The offense is uh is boring. It's just very boring. And I've heard a lot of people say recently. That in the new landscape of college basketball, you need offense, not defense. Not this defensive stuff that Grant McCaslin has. You need offense. You need guys that can put the ball in the basket, right, to win win games, win championships. Uh, what say you to that critique? Uh, you know, rabble-rousers. You rabble-rousers. Back off. Um, no, man, if you don't have defense, you're not going to, like, even if it's a minor amount of defense, I'm thinking about that. Who was that? Who did Baylor play in the championship game? Um, was it Villanova? Gonzaga. Who am I thinking of? Gonzaga. Man, buckets. But you had to also like in the end, the defense is what made the difference because you had like if that. It was just. I do not understand. Ever since the days I that I began doing any kind of media, where I stepped onto another blog, um, they shall not be named. It was like I could not push defense enough. Defense is what matters. Defense is what Texas Tech in all sports has failed to like really grasp. But what happened when we start putting defense at the forefront of our basketball pedagogy? You start going much further. You're more competitive in your conference. Um, you bring a lot of you bring a lot more. You know, recruiting kind of goes in a bunch of different ways. But selling this idea of being a better defensive player, like. For offensive, and I was thinking about this actually earlier today. I was listening to a radio station here. You know, when you're looking at the transfer window, uh, you're looking at the transfer portal, excuse me, you see players that are like coming from these lower colleges, but they've got like big points per, you know, PPGs. You know, this guy's turned 18 points per game, 20 points per game. They're way up there. And it's like, that's super exciting because you think, man, this person's going to, they can come in and get a bucket. But it's like, what are they willing to do on defense? Because that's going to like that's going to make the difference in the game. Because a guy can go out and shoot the ball as much as he wants and just like jay it up, jay it up, jay it up. But if a team like in the Big Twelve, like if you jay it up and miss, that might be that like that's a critical point in the game. That if they turn around and make you get points off that turnover, you're down. Like the defense matters so much in this game that you have to be more cognizant about. Okay, so I'm just getting on this whole defense spread. If you're worried about McCaslin being too defensively minded, you haven't paid enough attention to college basketball. 
It's funny when I saw the tweet that said that um, offense is what wins championships in today's landscapes. It's funny because so the funny with with NIL, everybody thinks this is the wild wild west. Everything's changed. Everything's so new and so different. But funny, and you're a history guy, Jeremy. History is a is a flat circle, right? Like things really don't change as much as you all think. I remember when, um, uh, the one and done era. Right, now all these one and dones were happening, and Kevin Durant was in school, and all sorts of stuff. And the, the college basketball is changing. You need freshmen now, right? Like it's, none of that matters. And and you know what? Well, be it, but you need freshmen. But all the veteran laden teams were still winning championships. North Carolina won a championship full of seniors. That team at Kentucky that went undefeated for the year, guess who they lost to? Wisconsin, a team full of seniors. Now Wisconsin did lose a freshman, but guess what? That freshman, the captain of that team, Quinn Cook. A 22-year-old senior, right? Like, so it was, as everything was changing, everything stayed the same. Uh, John Calipari, who who was the leader of this freshman wave, has won one championship in his career. And that one championship that he had in his career was probably the most veteran team he ever had. So as we move to this now NIL, and everything's changing. The veteran, the, the landscape is changing. You need offense. You need bucket gators. You need this, that, and the other. Defense, defense still wins championships. We were just in the national championship game four years ago with the best defense in the country, right? You were talking about that Baylor-Gonzaga game. Uh, Scott Juro thinks one of the best defensive coaches in the country, and that Baylor-Gonzaga game, Gonzaga had just as many bucket getters as Baylor did, but they didn't have the defense that Baylor did, right? That's the reason why they won. Uh, Bill Self, another great defensive coach. I talk about John Calipari is probably the only great coach in the college basketball right now who's not a great defensive coach. And again, he's only won one cha- national championship. The year he won that national championship had the best defensive player in the country in Anthony Davis. So like this idea that defense doesn't win championship, doesn't win as much as it used to is patently false. Like I, I don't even know where it came from. That's the starting point. I, having a great defensive coach like Grant McCaslin, that's the starting point. And then you just hope you supplement that with Bucket Gators, supplement that with a decent offense uh, that we haven't had in God knows how long. Um, but like, that's, that's, I mean, even the year we went to the national championship, the defense was there. And then luckily we had Jarrett Cover. We had other bucket getters on the team to help that offense. But this idea that you don't need, like the defense is not important. I almost guarantee, I'm willing to guarantee you, uh, there's a lot of great offensive teams that don't go anywhere. that don't make it this far. UConn's national championship this year and right now and they've been holding teams to just nothing to the 50s every game they play great defense so it doesn't really matter how that goes you gotta have defense and here's the thing is like i mean you bring up a good point the frustration through like the early be like the beard era and then a little bit in the adams era is like you know we're only scoring 55 points we're only scoring 60 points everybody else is scoring 80 everybody else is scoring this they've their their three-point percentage is like this yes it's frustrating but it only like if you win by one point it's a w if you win by 30 points it's a w and so like i agree that i would love to have buckets all across i would like everybody to be able to just jay up a bucket from downtown super fun and awesome that's it's a wholly different dynamic right and we've seen some super exciting um series one of my favorites still from the past couple of years was Tariq owen i think we were home Tariq owens blocked a shot i can't remember who we were playing now blocked a shot then uh tossed it down field i'm so done 
uh, down the court. Somebody, I think Moretti, Davide Moretti, lobbed it to Culver. Robinson blocked by Owens. Moretti lobs to Culver. Is this big Monday big enough and love it? You remember that? Oh, my God. That was exciting. High-flying. Not characteristic of that defense, team. but it was defense turning the offense, right? And like that's it starts there. The thing about it is, when you have a great defense, it's sustainable. Like it doesn't matter how great of an offense you have, that that simply is not sustainable. You're gonna have bad shooting nights. You're gonna have bad offensive nights. But your defense, that base defense is there. It's consistent. You'll always be good. And it's very funny. Tech fans are funny to me sometimes because we were making fun of Texas fans earlier because they were complaining about how Beard's offense was. Oh, we don't like that we're winning, but we're not putting up enough points. And we're making fun of them. And now look at us. Right, and and I've, I find it funny, Jeremy. I was thinking about this. Most Texas Tech fans, their NBA teams are either the Mavericks, the Rockets, or the Spurs. Right. Uh, if you're a Rockets fan, right, welcome, my brothers and sisters, to uh, uh, the Rocket fandom. Um, but if you're a Rockets fan, the best player in Rockets history is Akeem Olajuwon, arguably the greatest defensive player of all time. Uh, also, if you're a Rockets fan right now, Rockets have been the worst team in the NBA for two years, and we're one of the worst defensive teams in NBA history in those past, in the three years now. Yeah. We're awful. And it, it equates to really, really bad defense. Now, our rookie shooting guard is, is dropping 30 points a night every other night. Cool. We're still losing. Right? We lose a lot of games. Spurs. Spurs. If you're a Spurs fan, your coach, Greg Popovich, has dedicated his life to having a good defense. That's why you won all those championships that you won, five championships, because of Greg Popovich's defense. Right now, probably the worst defensive Spurs team of all time. Guess what? You're having one of the worst seasons of all time. In, in Spurs history, right? Hey, correlates. And the Dal- if, and the if you're a Dallas Mavericks fan, you have no right to say that you'd rather have offense because right now, currently, as we speak, you have two of the ten most talented, skilled offensive weapons in the world, and you are not going to make the play in because your defense is so abysmal. So, like, it, it's if you are a Mavericks fan, you should be on top of the mountaintops screaming about how important defense is. Um, yeah. I, so that, that's one of the, the, the big things uh, against McCaslin is that he's, he's boring, right? So I kind of talked about the hire being boring and that's the reason why people don't like McCaslin uh, about the boring offense. I'll give you another, another pushback, Jeremy. McCaslin has not won enough in the NCAA tournament. People wanted uh, a more proven NCAA tournament winner. A guy that has been there, done that, knows what he's doing in the NCAA tournament. What is your rebuke to that? Or do you support it? No, I don't support it. And you kind of really helped me substantiate why I felt that was a bad critique in that he has dealt, he has played. Texas Tech fans are living luxury. Like in the Big 12 you have analysts like licking their chops of like, ooh, will it be an eight bid league this year? Perhaps. Like, <laughs> um, but for a lot of other conferences, they're like, you get one, you have the one. All right, it you you, you didn't make it too bad. Like the Big Twelve is the royalty of the tournament. Like it's exciting basketball because it's the most competitive basketball conference. So you have everybody wanting all these teams to get in because they know they can go in and wreck shop. And it's like. Big 12 teams have to prove to the committee they can't be in it kind of thing. Like Texas Tech, we went from uh, an abysmal first half of the conference season to we string a couple of wins together, and then the committee's like, hey, I would love to have Texas Tech back in here because they are tough. It took us losing the last couple of games 
uh, abysmally to be removed from that conversation altogether. But like like you've said before, many a time, you know, UNT has been fighting in a one bid league, and it wasn't even McCaslin's best year that they went to the tournament. Um, and they go to the tournament and they have good success. And then he was talking about it in his presser, they they have a really good first game. And then it was the second round. The only thing that kept them from winning that was a tip, like a uh, awkward bounce uh, dunk at the end or whatever it was. It was just like he knew that they could have got to the next round. So I don't like it because McCaslin just hasn't been gifted the same amount of opportunity in the tournament as other coaches that they may, you know, that live in this upper echelon of the conference. Uh, basketball conferences yeah so you know it's 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 kind of funny so grandma caslin um for one and i don't know where i don't know if people just haven't looked him up but he's has won an ncaa tournament game right so he's been to the ncaa tournament one time uh he was a 13 seed and, and pulled off one of those 13 four upsets beating purdue because everybody does um <laughs> uh so beat <laughs> purdue made it to the round of 32 in the one time that he made it um, so I want to I want to go back to 2009. Uh, a great a great time. Um, you know, young young Jeremy was uh, uh, still a, a high school athlete uh, back in this time. You know, I was I was living it up in Lubbock. Um, and at this time, Grandma Caslin was uh, out in Midwestern State, right? Nice little West Texas school, D two school in Midwestern State. His first year at Midwestern State. In 2009-2010 season, they had a 30-win season. First year there, 30 wins, made it to the D- Division II Elite Eight, right? First year. Second year, 25 wins. Again, made it to the Elite Eight. So back-to-back years, going all the way to the Final Eight. Went to Arkansas State. Mind you, he's the um, has the highest win percentage in Midwestern State history. Arkansas State. It was only one year at Arkansas State. Went 20-12, and 12, had one of the best seasons in Arkansas State history. Also currently, even though it was one season, has the highest win percentage in Arkansas State history in the one year he was there, finishing third in the Sun Belt. Uh, went to North, so, uh, and this was, and he went to Arkansas State after he went became an assistant at Baylor. Had great success over at Baylor. Came to Arkansas State, did his thing. Got hired by North Texas. First year at UNT, very first year at UNT. Not the best season, right? In middle of the middle of the pack. They get invited to the CBI. CBI says, hey, you know, fairly new tournament. We This is our tournament for the mid-majors. Give you really a chance to, to have your team going. You know what they do? First season in, go on a run. Wins the whole damn thing. Wins the CBI championship, right? The next year, 21 wins on the season. Another middling year, though. Finish the middle of the pack. They don't get a, they don't, they don't get a postseason. The f- year after that, he says, I'm tired of this middle of the pack stuff. They win 14 conference uh, games, win the Conference USA, but COVID happens. There's no postseason. Likely would have went to the NCAA tournament, doesn't get to go there. The following year says, all right, I get it. We weren't able to go last year. We're going to go this year. They win the Conference USA tournament. They go to the NCAA tournament. Like I said, they beat Purdue. They go to the round of 32. Year after that, they win Conference USA, but again, like we were saying, it's a one-bid league. They don't win the conference tournament. We have talked on this um podcast many times about how conference tournaments don't matter and don't really tell you how good or bad a team is but unfortunately for a one bid league you can be the best team in the conference and not move on and that's what happened there you know what happens in the nit he still wins the game in the nit now of course loses in the second round so you know what he says i'm gonna get that get back this year i once again right 31 win season best season in unt history 
Um, they go to the NIT, win the whole damn thing. So people, again, this is a guy that has proven that he knows how to coach tournaments. Every tournament that he has played in, with the exception of the NCAA tournament, he's won. Every single one, he's won games, multiple games in the tournament. He's won at least one game in every single tournament he has played in, postseason tournament he's been in since being a head coach. That's the type of guy you want. Now, he didn't have a potential Texas Tech talent at UNT. So the time he went to the second round, he didn't have that. Mind you, University of Texas went a whole, almost a decade without winning a conference tournament game. The one time he went it with UNT, did it. So I, I'm, I'm tired of hearing about this whole, oh, well, he's never won in the tournament. He was at UNT, guys. Like, he was at North Texas. Like, that's not a critique. The question is, can he win? Has he shown that he can win tournament games? And he's proven he can do it. Now give him some more talent. Let's see what he can do. Absolutely. And, um, you know, this tournament being kind of the most exciting to peer into UNT just because they're, the energy that they have in the court, the defensive aggressiveness, like watching it, if you, you know, if you can just kind of like change the way you're looking at it, it almost feels like a very Texas Tech team in the way that they swarm the ball and the aggressiveness on the court. Uh, but it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just slouches in the NIT. I mean, they started off Alcorn State, right? Smash them. Sam Houston, smash them. Um, but then in the uh, third and fourth round there, they went up against Oklahoma State. And that was kind of like the first, that was actually when we started getting kind of whispers of like, oh, McCaslin might be the guy, like could be coming to Texas Tech. Maybe we should pay attention to the game tonight because why? Because they're playing a Big 12 team. Well, they go out and beat Oklahoma State in Stillwater, 65-59. Really nothing to like shake your head at. Um, because we haven't been able to do it here with any kind of ease at Texas Tech in the past five, six years. Um, and then the next the next game, you go on, you play Wisconsin, which is not a bad school by any stretch of the imagination. You win that 56-54, uh, and then you get matched up against UAB, which is maybe a little bit less of a, a, a you know, a little bit the weaker side of that table, uh, but then they win 68-61. Well, here's so, the like, thing about UAB, which is interesting too, is that UAB knocked them out of the Conference USA tournament. So again, they got that get back. Right, like you, they're very uh, um, I like that Grant McCaslin's teams are vindictive. They're like, okay, all right, we'll be back. Yeah, so a good coach um, who identifies what it takes to win and goes after it. Um, he may get knocked down, and so like that, let that be kind of the precursor for the upcoming season. Hey, it may be a middle of the road season for McCaslin, but like you can almost be sure based on the history. That McCaslin's going to take those losses and turn them into wins later on. Like that's his mo. Will it be as efficient as it was back in Midwestern State, or you know, I don't know. Maybe like that's what our hope is. But like, you know that he's going to do everything he can to try to win as many games as possible. And he made a point of saying, well, he actually made a really strong point. I did not consider. Uh, he's you know obviously. Texas Tech has one of the best fan bases in the nation. Winning at home is a no-brainer. He said, like, if we're going to win championships, you got to you gotta win at home. And he said, but also, we had one of the best road record in the nation at UNT this year. So both of those <laughs> things together <laughs> is win. a good way to get into a championship. We just got to win. Yeah. <laughs> so I love it. I love that, Moxie. So with that, as we end this, and I know, you know, he's, he's, uh, 
he's got to be swagged up. And the best way for him to be swagged up is to go to home field apparel, right? Home field apparel. Um, I'm sure UConn is definitely going to win the national championship. Now, talk about defense. It's, Jeremy, it is 38 to 26 right now in this national championship game in the second half. Oh, my right? Lord. <laughs> uh, San Diego State's still fighting, though. I've been, I've been talking about how UConn is going to definitely win this game. They're still fighting in this. They're only down, they're about to be down 10 here in a little bit um, after this free throw goes down. Hey, man, it's, it's nuts that. It's nuts that I said FAU. You made fun of me, and I went Ah Miami, and neither of them <laughs> ended up going. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, home field apparel. Sorry, I'm sure they're going to have the national championship gear for whoever wins this game. Um, and so, if you want to get that, really, you really want to get this tech stuff. I'm actually wearing one right now. The double T in front of the state of Texas. Nice, soft, comfortable shirt. UConn three. Nice, soft, comfortable shirt. And I used our promo code takes 12 T A K E S one, two, uh, to get 15% off my first order. Right. That's how, that's how I did it. And so you want to be like me, be, you know, be like me, be like coach McCaslin, get your home field apparel. Um, so as we end this episode, Jeremy, I do want to talk a little bit about the transfer portal. So we already know four guys that have entered off top, right? Uh, Fardar's AMAC. He ain't coming back. Let's, let's be real. Uh, but Robert Jennings, KJ Allen, and Elijah Fisher, all three of them have said, hey, you know, if, if the powers that be see it, I might come back to Texas Tech. Now, a lot of players say that. It's usually fairly unlikely they do actually come back. I think it's safe to say that all three of these guys probably won't be back. But I think one thing that was encouraging, and we talked about in the chat, was that everybody else on the team was at the press conference. Everybody else, Papa Isaac, Jalen Tyson, they were all at the press conference. Only one that wasn't was Davion Harmon, who uh, had a, a wisdom tooth taken out. Also... David Harvey still got eligibility? <laughs> Again, this is one of those things. <laughs> I'm not going to ask questions oh, if he comes out in a jersey next year. Whoever shows up, shows up. That's <laughs> that man's been playing basketball since for, uh, for at least a decade, at least. Um, but anyway, so yeah, most people are at the press conference today, so that's going to be interesting to see what happens there. On the flip side of it, you know, when you get a new coach, the question always becomes, right, who can we get? Who can we steal? Um, big name that's kind of been rumored, uh, Abu Uzmain, right? They're big 6'9", uh, uh, guy, third leading scorer, leading rebounder, leading shot blocker, big boy, big guy, a good player too, right? I can easily see him getting instant impact minutes. Uh, entered himself in the portal virtually the next day, right? After the team, before Grant McCaslin officially uh, was hired, but but after the, the championship, he was like, all right, this is cool and all, but I'm getting out of here. Um, so no really reports that he's going anywhere. You know, obviously as tech fans, we're going to say, well, Uzmain's probably a good chance to move over. We don't know. Uh, one guy that's probably a lot more likely is their leading scorer, Tyler Perry, Tyler Perry conference, USA player of the year, 17 points a game, um, was their best player. No question. Their best guard was their offense at times, uh, for North Texas. One caveat with Tyler Perry. He's tiny. He's a small guy, 5'11". Um, but he's a sharpshooter. Like, that's my thing. If you're going to be tiny, you're going to let that thing go. 42% from three this year. Um, and not having a three-point uh, shooter that can actually shoot it is something we've been missing for some years now. Since David A. Moretti left, actually. So, um, so, so yeah. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on not just those two guys from North Texas, but the landscape in general? At this point, after the, after the uh, presser and all that, you know, seeing all the guys that we had there, I'm really excited that... You know, guys like Lamar Washington, like guys like um, Curran Walton are there. Um, obviously, Pop and Jalen Tyson were the two most vocal people that they'd, you know, be here. Uh, 
who do we have coming over from Georgia? I can never remember his name. Um, I think he was there. Oh, Kyron, Kyron Lindsay. Yeah, Kyron Lindsay was there. Kyron Lindsay was there. You know, so it's encouraging to see these guys kind of seeding into the future. And so, yes, if you're in the transfer portal, I mean, the only guy I was like most optimistic about coming back was Jennings. But as word has it, he's very interested in reconnecting with Tony Bennett over there at Virginia. Uh, what if he does, you know, you you stink. Um, <laughs> it's, I mean, whatever, but like the whole Virginia, Texas Tech thing. Um, oh, yes. But I'm more excited about like who's, I'm more excited. The transfer portal is full of dudes. It's crazy. All of the people that are transferring this year. I mean, LJ Cryer from Baylor just put his name in. Yeah, Why? That's a big one. That's Why? A one. Oh, that my goodness. That is a wild one. Yeah. But there's a lot of guys like that across the country of like, Playing really well at their school. And like, you know what? I'm going to go the transfer portal. Why? But you know what? If you're going to do it, hey, how about Texas Tech? <laughs> how about Texas call Tech? Call them. Make the call. Make, Make the, the call. call Make them say no. Uh, here at Tortillas, speaking of which, here at Tortillas and Takes, I know there's been some discourse about what his nickname should be. We're Team McCashlin. Team McCashlin. Yep. Right? Because all the other names sound terrible. Like, let's They're be real. forced. All, all the other yep. names are, are pretty bad. Um, so, uh, any last words, Jeremy? Uh, nope. <laughs> we thought this was going to be a short pod. Actually, it was longer than we thought it would be. Oh, my Lord, it was. Uh, there's that. Uh, Graham McCaslin, new head coach of the Texas Tech Red Raiders. I'm excited for it. He was in my top three list to start this search. I didn't get my guy Ulrich Maligi, but that's fine. He's going to be a head coach eventually. He's going to be fantastic. But I also think Graham McCaslin will also be pretty good. And, and the boring, safe hire is not a bad thing. Right? Boring and safe. Uh, Scott Drew was the boring safe hire once upon a time over at Bailey. He was the boring safe hire. Remember, they just had a huge scandal, um, right, uh, when it comes to that involved murder. If you don't know about that one, look that one up. Uh, but they just had a huge scandal, and he was the boring safe hire for Baylor. And, you know, that led them to an eventual national championship. So I'm hoping the same thing happens for Texas Tech. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll ride with him. We're going to ride with him. All right. Um, so for Jeremy Gillen, this is Albie Shore, and you have been listening to Tortillas and Takes Podcast, part of the 1012 Network, and a part of Red Raider Sports. As always, stay wrecked, people. Sports Social Podcast Network.